am Brenda. And hi, I'm Amber. And this is the Minority Millennial Money Podcast. The contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice. And neither Amber nor I nor Minority Millennial Money is engaged in the provision of legal, tax, or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and tax accountants, regarding the legal, tax, and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate. Welcome to another episode of Minority Millennial Money. Today we have a special guest. His name is Devin, and I'm going to let him introduce himself. Yep, um, I'm Devin Anderson. Um, I'm here as of now in Austin, Texas. Um, I just moved here probably about three months ago from Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I was able to work remote. Um, I work in the PMO office for a medical device company. Um, what is PMO for people who project, don't know? Uh, project management office. Okay. Um, with like clinical studies and um, uh, testing of devices, things like that. Okay. And you've lived in Austin before, so. Correct. Yeah. So I lived in Austin. Yeah. I lived in Austin about six years, um, maybe like three years ago. And then I moved away, moved to San Antonio for, I believe, a year and then moved to Phoenix for a while for a job opportunity, and then just moved back here to Austin. So this, uh, lots of moving leads me to ask, um, what caused your moving? But first, let's talk about your educational background, because we've talked a lot on the podcast about getting an education that leads to ideally a high paying career. So Mm -hmm. tell me about your education. Yeah, so my undergrad is in, uh, my undergrad is psychology and biomedical science. And then I pursued to get my uh, MBA in business administration, organizational leadership is a technical term for it. Um, That's my education. Um, And I can go into a little bit of why I did that as well. Um, So my undergrad was, of course, a science and psychology background. And I did not want to get my uh, psychology license at all. Um, I did the biomedical science uh, era because I wanted to do intellectual property and go to law school. And then you have to have a science or engineering background. And I interned for um, my friend's father who actually does it and didn't like it one bit. So I was like, well, the next step, I'm not going to pursue science or like a medical degree or psychology degree. So I want to do business because uh, I do like that aspect of business, uh, understanding more technical sides of things as well as uh, understanding how to how the business functions and finance and things like that. So kind of a um, best of both worlds. So, so people always ask. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, so people always ask, oh, that's an interesting transition from your undergrad to getting a master's uh, in business. And um, I just saw it fit for what I wanted to do in life. Uh, I wanted to be uh more of the business mindset but have like a technical background so that's i've been in healthcare for like the past five or six years so uh, on the business side of healthcare so i feel like that plays a huge role in it that's true yeah and did you 
know going into your MBA what kind of jobs you wanted? Like, did you know people who in your industry already who were like, oh, I have an MBA and this has helped significantly? No. Okay. Well, my dad has his MBA. Okay. Um, and then it wasn't really a, oh, I'm going to get this in order because I want to be like a CEO or something like that. It wasn't that mindset. It was more in the mindset of, I have this background. If I apply to, let's say, just like a business, a business analyst at like a company, like they're going to see psychology background and also, and a science background and they're going to think like, oh, it doesn't quite fit this position. Mm. Um, so I just want more of a business background as well. So I can transition into like healthcare and the business side of things and whatnot. Um, and then as I was, yeah, and I didn't even think about healthcare at all. Um, as I was in the program, I had an opportunity to work for the state of Texas as like a consultant um, when uh, Texas was transitioning from like ICD-9 codes to ICD-10. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I was on that project uh, and I worked with like the HHSC and like um, some of the state agencies and things like that. And I really enjoyed it and I really enjoyed what I was learning. Uh, so that kind of geared me towards more of a healthcare line, like business healthcare line, more so than having a mindset of, oh, I'm going to go get my MBA because I want to do this. Okay. So I'm curious as a lawyer, like why you didn't like the law firm? Because I mean, intellectual property is like, one of the highest paying legal careers. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you had a really good opportunity with that. Like, can you talk a little bit about why, you know, why you didn't like it? Um, it just wasn't uh, at the time or what I saw, it just didn't fit. Maybe it would have been different if I like uh, worked under someone else or uh, had like a better mindset of, I ex exactly want to do this and uh go further for this it was just a lot of like research and reading what I was doing and I was like I like to be more active more talkative things like that which is another thing why I wanted to go to the business role because I understand a lot of the technical side or I understand what goes on behind the scenes and I like to be that middle person to uh, kind of explain different opportunities um kind of like a project manager so you're a project manager now but I know in the past you've been a financial analyst yeah, so I was a financial analyst for, I worked for HCA for a little bit. Um, and then I worked. America. I mean, sorry, Hospital Corporation of America. Yeah. And then I worked for a couple of other healthcare uh, companies as a financial analyst. Um, and then I also did, within that time, it was uh, reviewing healthcare claims, essentially. Hmm. Um, like what companies would pay out, like if they would pay out, what percentage they would do. And I had to create like a reserve for the companies that would be paying out. Um, so yeah, so I liked finance, um, but it definitely wasn't um, my long goal or my long run. Um, yeah. So you are a good example of someone who's made a lot of, um, uh, has had a lot of variety in their career from an mm -hmm. MBA. Uh, so that's that's great. So I want to talk a, a bit about because since I've known you, um, I'm like, wow, you have a new job. <laughs> Every time I talk to you, I'm like, oh, you're at a different job. Oh, you don't live For here. Sure. Oh, you moved. Um, so tell me about what has uh, led you to essentially always be seeking the next opportunity. What's the longest you've stayed at a job? 
um, what makes you get to the point where you're like, I need to look for something different? Is it just the money or is it a different aspect of the job? Yeah, so um, it's not always about the money. It's definitely that is a, a factor. Um, and the quickest way to get a raise is just to get a new job. Um, uh, my longest job was probably, I would say like two years. Okay. Um, this is post MBA? Correct. When did you get that? 2015? 2014. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just um, because we met in 2015 and you already had it then. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's just more of a, so, uh, well, one of the reasons why I transitioned, uh, well, I was actually let go from one of the healthcare companies because they got bought out, whole reorg structure, all that stuff. But I've always been very fortunate to, to have that next opportunity, honestly, like within a month or like, or like even before I transitioned to another role, I would have something lined up. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to this role. It's only been, I have left the job twice. One, because I was let go. One, uh, because I just wanted a new opportunity. Um, and I was doing my research, applying things. Um, and it honestly just fell in line that I would get a job opportunity within like the next month. So it never really was like stressful because I was interviewing and things like that. And I've been very fortunate. I wouldn't tell everyone, hey, go quit your job without something. That's something actually I would never do. I'm more planned and thought out from doing that, but it was just, um, I just didn't see my position at that time. I just didn't see it as going somewhere to make me, um, I guess to apply my skills to make me like a happy in my career and going forward. And I didn't see that I was gonna be moving forward with that company. And also if I was, I would have to move to a different market like New York or something like that. What is um, the salary um, range for like the the project management role or these roles that you're doing? Oh, it ranges from probably like entry. Well, it very depends. So there's different teams. So I'm in like the clinicals. Uh, so there's, it can range from maybe like 100 to like 140, 150. Uh, then you get like bonuses, structures, things like that. Um, I, my, my first job out of college was like maybe 30. 30,000 like, dollars? Yeah. And I took it. I was like, yeah, I don't care. Um, but that also goes back to me saying I've actually taken pay cuts for new opportunities as well. So that's why I said it's not always about the opportunity. Um, in the long run, I'm sitting, I've situated better than I was previously, but I have taken pay cuts uh, for a new opportunity with the new company, a new role. Um, just like a better environment. So that's another caveat that I would add. It's not always about the money. Do you I feel would like definitely... that was worth it? What, yes. You know, looking back, okay, it was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did it lead you back to another job where you got back to your original higher salary? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So it's, uh, I took it more as a stepping stone. Yeah, it was just like another, a better opportunity to apply my skills and grow my skills. And then with that same company, um, I just developed into a better role 
that was like a high paying job as well, even before the previous one that I took. So it just worked out for the better. So yeah, so definitely don't be scared to just switch jobs just because they're going to pay. I wouldn't take like a $40,000 pay cut, but if it's like 10,000, 20,000, depending on what you're doing, why not? Like evaluate all options and take it. And I would say that because I know you, you can say that as someone who doesn't have a family and yeah that's yeah that's true it's just me yeah i don't even have a dog so or a cat (laughs) so (laughs) so it makes it easy yeah so it makes it easy so yeah i mean i think that's that's another interesting i was gonna say i think that's an interesting concept because i think it's very millennial of you to you know want to switch jobs um so i've i've also switched jobs every two years I've never taken a pay cut though, but um, like, why do you feel like your work environment is, I guess, as valuable as like money? Um, Because I look at it as at the end of the day, I'm going to come home and I have a personal life and professional life and I don't really merge those two, but if I'm happy in my personal life or if I'm happy in my professional life, even such as the environment, I'd be more happy in my personal life. So that's a huge correlation yeah. there. Um, so I know many people that have that like don't like their job and they always talk about it like when they go home or whatever that may be. I kind of I do my work and then like I can talk about my work outside of work, but then majority of the time, honestly, I'm not talking about work. If someone wants to know, I talk about it. Yeah. Yep. I will vouch for that. I've never heard Devin complain about his job. <laughs> Well, yeah, I don't, I'm not happy all the time with my work, but it's never like a, never like a, it never, I don't come home in like a bad mood where I'm like, oh, I just had a horrible day, which I understand. I know uh, tons of people with that. Um, Like my sister, I've talked to my sister and she's had like horrible days and stuff like that. But um, I just try not to come home and bring work home essentially. So a happy environment is always great. And like a supportive manager goes a long ways as well. So, yeah, for sure. And now you're kind of in an ideal situation where you got to come back to a place that you like and you get to keep your same job and you you seem happy where you're at. Yep. Yeah, I am happy. I'm happy with the opportunities. and I'm happy where I'm at. Um, My team and manager is great. Um, I don't think I'm going to be switching anytime soon, but if a new opportunity came along, I wouldn't uh ever ter- uh I wouldn't turn anything down but I'm definitely not like pursuing anything at this moment I want oh go ahead Amber I was just gonna say so how have you been able to like negotiate it sounds like you've gotten these new opportunities and then with the opportunity you've like negotiated like promotions or raises or whatever within the within the new company how have you been able to do that or what are some tips that people can can glean from you um as i guess i'll just hit on what we were speaking about before um like let's say like you're making a hundred thousand or something like that like the job offers a hundred thousand um if you ask for like a hundred fifteen thousand like a rebuttal or like uh counter it with 115 it's not that uh off the mark because it's really not, uh, if you calculate that like yearly, it's maybe a couple of hundreds a month. Um, people do it all the time. Um, 
or they'll usually come back and meet you in the middle. Um, so it's kind of like, if you can say, oh, I want this and like justify why, um, it's more so than saying, oh, I want this and like leaving it blank and for them to decide why you like would need that. Or like, what is your worth? Why are you asking for this much? But if you justify it right away, they usually are more accepting of it. Have you and you can't had... be nervous. Like oh, the worst thing they can say is say, oh no, we can't do that. Okay, fine. Well then either you stick with the original offer if you like the company or you don't accept it. And how- I think a lot of, sorry, no, you're good. I was just gonna say, have you ever gotten pushback when you've done that? Yes. Um, and then it, it still results maybe in like 5,000 over what they were asking. But once again, 5,000 is literally nothing. So it's like, it's kind of, okay. Like it's not a win, but like, if you like the opportunity, you can still take it. Um, I think a lot of times people won't ask for like a uh, counter for a job offer because of course it goes back to like the hiring manager. They offer you, let's say 50,000, they offer you that. Uh, you counter with 70,000. It goes back to that manager and it also goes to HR. And maybe some people in their mind believe, oh, that manager is going to be looking at me now like differently because I try to negotiate my salary or something like that, like a different mindset. Um, but it's really not the case because they're not paying you. The company is. So as long as you do your work, they're not going to look at you different. Yeah. yeah. So. yeah. I, I think mean, and I, I want to c- comment. Sorry. You just muted yourself, Brenda. Darn it. Okay. Um, I said, I want to comment on the fact that you're a man and we're women. And so as a woman, they might think of us differently. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah. I was, um, yeah. Because I've done that and I've gotten pushback and I feel like I've gotten pushed back to a degree that a man would not have gotten. And maybe I'm making that up, but I, and I've known women friends who have gotten an offer and said, that's not enough. I need 10, 15 more. Mm-hmm. And then they're completely out of the interview process. They're like, sorry, we pick someone else. And, and she was like, yeah. what? You know, so I do want to put a little asterisk by that. Yeah. That- yeah, and I know, uh, so I know someone else um, who received a new role in healthcare and um, her offer was significantly lower than someone that was only practicing for three years and she's been doing it for seven or eight and her offer was significantly lower than theirs and uh, the, other, the other one was a male, she's a female. So yeah, so that definitely does happen. Um, I I can't speak to that because I'm not a woman and that really hasn't, I've received pushback, but it's never really taken to like an extreme of like, oh, we're not going to like offer it to you or something like that. So, yeah. What were you going to say, Amber? Uh, well, I, well, two things. So I think like it may depend on the wording too. Like, I think you have to like word it in the way that saying you're not rejecting the offer. Like there's a difference between, you know, saying, I can only do it for this amount. And then they say, okay, well, we can't do it for that amount. So this is conversations over versus wording in a way that say, you know, I'm really interested in this opportunity. Um, I was hoping for this amount based on these skills. Is that a possibility? Because then you're not saying that you're not interested in the offer. And I think maybe that could have happened with 
the woman who who said that they rescinded the offer because just based on like basic contracts like I don't think you can reject an offer with a conversation like I don't think you can just take away an offer like that um and I've heard before I'm personally like I've never really tried to negotiate my salary it's something that I'm more mindful of and I want to do it in the future but like just based on basic contracts like I don't think you can just rescind an offer unless the person has sort of indicated that they won't accept the offer yeah Um, if if, yeah if an offer has been extended to you like a verbal um commitment of hey we would like to offer you this for such such salary um that starts like the negotiation they they usually don't go back and say oh well we rescind this because it's more it's a lot to deal with in hr yeah it deals with the contract laws but um what i was gonna say is you made a comment that um you know five thousand dollars is nothing and i just want to clarify that like i think we're talking about when you're over the six figure range because i'm sure some people listen to this would be like what five thousand dollars like that's gas money for the week right Um, and so like, I think we need to be very like aware of like our situations of like, when you're over the $100,000 mark, we're taxed at such a high rate that $5,000 is like maybe $20 more a check. Right. Would you, would you say that? Like, it's a very nominal amount. And, and yeah, and I wasn't saying it to be, say $5,000 is nothing. I was speaking on it more of a, like a negotiation route. Like if you're making 55 or 50, don't be scared to, to ask for 60. Yeah. And if they come back with 55, things like that, like $5,000 as a negotiation isn't too much to ask for. Oh, I agree. Okay. So, yeah. 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 And getting out of that mindset that, that, as, you know, 10%, 5,000 out of five out of 50 is too much to ask for. Right. Cause it is your livelihood <clears throat> and it's the basis on which your next raise will be based. Right. If you get a 5% based on, 55 it's more than five percent based on 50 mm-hmm. yeah yeah I think that's a good point like you know when I get my little raises or whatever they're annoying because it's like no money like you're saying at this point but the good thing is like when I go to a different employer like I have a different starting point so mm-hmm. if I'm going to request someone to give me an additional twenty thousand dollars that's twenty thousand dollars plus the raises I've already received so it's it's a way higher you know, bar. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'll agree with that. Cause currently like I'm a contractor. So my base, like my hourly rate and I don't get benefits or anything and I have to pay taxes out of this, but like right now it's 75 and sometimes I'll get recruiter emails, 75 an hour. Sometimes I'll get recruiter emails. They're like, Hey, this clinic needs help. Um, and the credentialing process for a provider takes a few months. So I reached out to them and I was like, Hey, I'm interested in helping this clinic out. And they asked me like, what is your hourly rate? And since I'm at 75, I said 75. <laughs> I never heard from them, <laughs> but I mean, it's fine. Cause I don't need the work. It was just kind of like something I was doing to have as a backup. But, um, part of me is like, would I have heard from them if I had said 60 or 65, but then I'm like, that's hard work. Like, I was thinking about the type of clinic that it is, the type of patients that I would be seeing. And I was like, I really mentally and psychologically cannot justify doing that work for any less than 75 an hour. Yeah. You know, and you have to know that about yourself. Like, do you know what kind of work you're getting into? Like Devin was saying he was willing to take a little pick up because he knew that the culture and the environment was going to be so much better. And that has value that 
is not monetary. To whereas for me, I'm like, that job is going to be really hard. So I need to know I'm making the most money possible. <laughs> yeah. And I think Devin was saying too, like, he, you know, you were saying the pay cuts that you're taking are like 10,000 or 20,000. And, you know, like we just said about taxes, like, you know what, you lost a hundred dollars a check or, or maybe two. So right. in the grand scheme of things, cause you're taxed at a lower, a lower percent or a lower rate overall. So grand scheme of things, that may not be a big pay cut at this level. Right. Right. Like yep. you, you may have gone from a hundred to 85, but at 85, you're not taxed the way you were at a hundred. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, so it's awesome to think about, especially with taxes and the role they play and things like that. And my paycheck still comes out of Arizona. Um, so I actually pay, uh, which I need to update that, but I actually pay uh, state and federal oh. taxes in Arizona. You're paying state taxes to Arizona. Yep. Interesting. I was wondering. But that should be, I, I believe it's converted. But when I was living in Arizona, yeah, I would pay state and federal. So yeah, so Texas and I believe like five or four or five other states don't have state tax, right? But it's actually not that bad. Um, it's not that bad in the environment of let's say if you owned a house or something like that. That's where you catch your break. So different payoffs. I of course I didn't own a house, so it didn't really matter to me, but. So I want to talk a little bit about um, your investing strategy. How do you plan to retire? Are you interested in retiring early? Do you have any ventures on the side? <laughs> Anything like that that you want to share? Um, yeah, so of course I have um, like a 401k and then I have a traditional IRA a couple of mutual funds. Uh, I actually use Betterment. Um, oh, great. I think Amazon yeah, it's like a it's like a, a auto advising. I wouldn't say it's like the best tool to use, but if you just want something to like steadily invest something in like a IRA or like a mutual fund, which they have, they don't have any stocks. It's only mutual funds IRAs, and they also have like a high yield savings account. Um, it's a very good application for that, especially if you're new to things. And if you just want to set it and like, forget about it. And like every month money is going to this. Um, and then of course I use Robinhood, um, to like buy things over the years. I do like Robinhood, but it's way too easy to wake up, watch it and like sell something. Um, if you're like a very like, uh, emotional investor. Yeah, exactly. It's way too easy. So that's why. Uh, I wouldn't suggest like a lot of the mobile apps for trading and things like that, because if you're an emotional investor, you'll just sell it real quick. Mm -hmm. um, myself, um, I, I still have like my Betterment accounts, but I don't really have too many stocks at the moment. I'm trying to look at some other business opportunities that will hopefully work. Um, but if not, you can always buy stocks anytime. And then also I do uh, like my employee stock option plans oh, okay. so where you get well, their stock at a discount correct yep okay do you sell that regularly because i know some people the employee one yeah like no. you, know, you, you bought you buy it and then you can sell it and make the discount money but yeah you would have to keep it for a certain time um but no i don't i just hold it 
Nice. No. Yeah. Uh, so, all the other stuff that I sell is more personal buying in. I buy uh, energy, like energy stocks, as well as like healthcare. Um, so you're buying really what you believe in. Individual stock buyer. Correct. Yeah. Cool. Buy, buy, I would say just buy stuff you believe in. Like, uh, I have a buddy of mine who actually bought his Tesla from like Tesla stock that he had because he believed in the, like, he believed in uh, Tesla and what they were doing. So he just bought it and now he's like, yeah, it paid off, stuff like that. So buy what you believe and if you think it's going to be a good idea. So he bought Tesla stock till he had enough to buy an actual Tesla? Yeah. <laughs> Well, he had, yeah, he had it for a while. So he actually paid for, I wouldn't say all of it, but I think like a significant percent of it from like the stock he owned. This is such a millennial conversation right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't even. Yeah, so. I leave my job all the time. Uh, I invest in individual stocks. I buy time. Yeah, I'm not making a killing. on. It's more like a, stocks to me is more like a, yeah. Like I did the whole crypto thing, all that stuff. It's more like a, I'm not into it. Like all these people uh, having huge discussions about Bitcoin, things like that. Like I'm not one of those people. I just do it just to do it. Um, I actually worked uh, another a way back when, I don't think I mentioned this, but um, I thought I was going to go a financial route. Um, so I interviewed with Alliance Bernstein, who is like, they do it's like a stock trading company and things like that um i did not like that one bit and so that's why i was like oh, i'm gonna stick with healthcare uh, i actually left healthcare for a brief moment and went to alliance bernstein and then left alliance bernstein and went back to healthcare um and through that time at alliance bernstein i saw like stocks and trading and understood a lot of the stuff and i was like mm, i'll do it as a hobby but i'm not going to research this day in day out uh, there's enough people there's enough information on the internet to honestly just like review and understand and invest in yourself, make smart decisions. Um, and of course there's people that get their information from like TikTok and stuff like that. And I wouldn't advise that, but do to each do your own. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I will say like, I do think that like today's era is a lot different than it was years ago where somebody would stay at a job for 20 years at this point, yeah, I mean, like, it's all, almost just like a really bad decision to stay at an employer for, I would say, longer than, you know, three to five years. Um, just because, again, you're not, the raises that you're making year to year are not huge. And the only way you can make something more significant is to go to another employer. So unless, you know, the employers get hip and start you know, offering more raises, they're not going to retain people anymore. It's just not a smart business decision. And like, I always tell people, because people always text me and they're like, I really feel bad. I'm leaving my job. And like, they're making me feel guilty. And it's like, this is business. There's nothing personal about the relationship that we have. This is not a romantic relationship. It's business. And when you go to work, it's business. When you leave that job, it's business. <laughs> so, cause they're going to, they're going to, they're going to treat you like that, right? Like if you quit, right. they're going to find somebody to replace you immediately. I mean, we've all heard those stories of, you know, people who get hit by a bus and the next hour their position is put up, you know? It's just like, keep the same energy. Keep the same energy. That's, I mean. It's... I think, yeah, I will say 
um, my career is a little bit different. I felt very invested and maybe that's just, I'm an emotional employee, but like I had relationships with, relationships with my patients and there was a benefit that was not monetary to staying, right? But at the same time, the employer exploited that, right? Because they're like, well, you're invested, you, you know, these patients trust you, they expect to see you, like, how can you leave them? Um, but then they'd be like, well, but we don't talk about raises, but every two years, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so that is the bad side of being a provider. Um, what's that thing that Kiki Palmer Seven, you're did? muted. Sorry. Oh, is he talking? <laughs> no, you're good. Um, Kiki Palmer and that meme, she's like, I'm sorry to this man. I don't know who this man is. Um, that's the energy I would keep with the patients. Like, <laughs> just like... <laughs> no. I don't know. I, I have a very, I think law school really does make you cynical. And so I don't think like just lawyers were, were very like cut, you know, people think of us as very cutthroat, but really the law school process really does take a lot of emotion out of you. Like just generally speaking. Yeah. Like one of my best friends, she was texting, some guy texted her and was like, Hey, how's your day going? And she was like, this isn't relevant. Like, <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it's just like how we are. Right. Where it's just like objection relevance. Like this is annoying. Um, <laughs> But is you know, she single? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. But um, you know, it really is. And like I think that like I'm probably way less emotional than like the average like person. And so like for me, it's just like it makes sense that you would treat it like a business because it is and it's not personal and there's not you have to remove the emotional side of it, but you know, I'm very uh very scorned now. I feel like I've moved more towards that, you know, and been like, okay, I know I'm valuable. I know the work I do is good. And so this is what I'm worth and I'm willing to ask for it. Whereas five years ago, I would have been like, oh, let me just take care of the patients, you know? (laughs) Sorry, Devin, you were going to say something earlier when you were muted. Um, it doesn't, it wasn't that important. I can't remember it. Um, yeah, but do y'all invest in, or what do y'all look at to invest in, or what is y'all practices? Go ahead. Yeah, um, I invest in ETFs. I'm pretty aggressive. Most of my stuff is in the S&P 500, which is going down right now. And it's very exciting. I saw that, (laughs) but it'll come back. Um, but yeah, I also invest in energy, um, healthcare, um, all of the traditional, um yes index funds yeah yeah i have some real estate um i and then i i just got active management through personal capital for my former 401k at my old employer and taxable brokerage roth ira um i'm hoping that the taxable brokerage, if I want to retire at 50, that the taxable brokerage will hold me over till 59 and a half when I can access the retirement accounts. But if that's not enough, then I'll just sell some real estate <laughs> for those 10 years. True. So I, don't have to, I don't have to work full time. But like I've talked about on the podcast before, I don't see myself leaving the workforce completely like at age 50 because I have I have such useful skills and like soon I'll have a PhD and I see my career kind of 
peaking between 40 and 60. And so it's like to leave at that stage would be kind of silly. Like, and I'm, I stay so busy and I'm, you know, I have so much energy that I don't know what I would do if I just stopped working completely. It would be nice to not have to work for the money. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's the goal. That's the goal. Well, Devin, thanks for joining us and uh, talking to us about about your goals and your career so far. Anything you want to say to minority millennials that are trying to make their way in their career and their financial life? Um, not necessarily. Just don't be scared. <laughs> don't be scared to like make the jump in a job, especially if it's a new opportunity, um, or ask for a raise because the least all they're going to do is say no. Or they'll say yes and come back with like uh, like half of what you asked for, whatever that may be. Yeah. Um, and yeah, get a mentor. Mm-hmm. That's actually something that I just recently came into, maybe like the past two years. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah, so that's actually very helpful. That's great. Amber, anything you want to add? No, I think that's pretty much it. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, guys.